And y'all can be seated. Good morning. Welcome to the branch. Hey, my name's Dylan. I'm the pastoral assistant here. Uh, if you've been with us the past few weeks, we have been moving through the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Uh, generally, in, here at the branch, we will preach through a book of the Bible um, all the way through, and that's what we're going to continue to do. But this morning, we are actually going to take uh, a one-week break from Joshua and do something a little different. So, some of you are probably wondering, okay, what are we doing? Good question, right? So, we're, we are going to cover stewardship and giving. Yeah, Kale's laughing on the front. I know, right? This is great. Um, so, I'm sure many of you are shifting in your seat and like, oh, great, this is going to be wonderful, right? So, I want to... I want, just want to talk about why this came up before we, before we go to our text, before we go further. I, want to, I just want you to know the heart behind why we're stopping and taking a, a one-week break and covering this, okay? So myself, uh, Greg, and Jace make up the business team. And so back in the spring, we were uh, just kind of going through looking for different resources and things to help us grow as a team and grow as a the business team. And we came across this book. It's called Budgeting for a Healthy Church. Okay, it's by Jamie Dunlop. It's a non-Marks uh, book that was published. It's a really good book, really good read. It's, it's really more theological than anything. And as we read it over the summer, uh, the, the main theme, the main thing that we took away and walked away from was that the faithfulness in giving matters to God. The faithfulness that we have in giving and in stewarding the things the Lord has given us is important to our, in our life as disciples of Christ. It is a discipleship issue. And so... As we came across this, we studied it, we read through the book, we read through the scriptures that talked about different things. We were like, this is, this is really important, right? This is really important for, for us as believers uh, in our walk with God and our, us seeking to be faithful and obedient to Christ. And so we, we kind of walked through together, how can we communicate this? The last thing on our list was for one of us to get up here and preach on this, just to be really honest. But the more and more we looked at it, the more and more we realized this is really important really important for us, really important for who we are as disciples of Jesus. And so that, that is our heart, is the faithfulness in giving is important. It matters to God in our worship, in our life, in our love and affection. So that, that is our heart behind this. That's why we're going to talk about this this morning. I understand money, stewardship, different things is very touchy. Jesus talked about it a lot, and he talked about it a lot for a reason, right? Because there's a lot of things that happen within that realm. So the, the second thing I want to mention before we move on is I'm not going to get up here and try to guilt anybody into giving. That's not, you may have heard sermons like that before. You may have been somewhere and like been up here building campaign. We need this. We need that. Blah, blah, blah. Give all your money, right? That is not why I'm here. That's not what I'm going to be doing. If you feel convicted at some point during the sermon or whatever, that's the Holy Spirit putting that on your chest. That is not coming from me because I'm not up here to guilt anybody into doing that. That's not what we see in the New Testament. Uh, that's not what we're going to see here in a little bit. When we look at the New Testament on why we give, that's not what I'm going to be doing. So just clearing the air on this before we get to our text. So before we go, um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to turn to Malachi. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Uh, Father, thank you for this time we're able to come together and study your word and look at a, a bit of a touchy subject, a bit of a, a difficult one. But Father, I just pray that you'll be honored and glorified in all that we do today. And all that we do is looking at your word and studying through this and praying and seeking to be faithful and obedient to you in all that we do. We all, I just pray that you'll be honored and glorified this morning and we will worship you throughout. We love you, praise you, thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
All right, so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Malachi. Um, Malachi is the last book in our English Old Testament. It's right before the book of Matthew. So as you turn there, the kind of the, I want to get, make sure we understand the context of Malachi and what's happening in Israel. So Israel has fallen into sin, right? Some of you are probably like, well, it's the Old Testament. That seems like that's the only thing that happens, right? Um, so they're in sin uh, throughout the whole book. Malachi has been sent by God to call them to repentance. Um, and as he calls them to repent from the different things that we're going to look at in a moment, they don't ever seem to realize that they are in sin. They don't seem to realize that they are lost and that they have lost their way. Because they are still following some rules and doing some things, but they're doing it half right and half hearted and have no love for God in it. And so the state of Israel at this point is not, not a good one. It's not, they're not in, a good, not in a good place. So one of the things that they were doing is in the Old Testament law, Israel was required to give sacrifices. And these sacrifices had strict standards that God gave to them. And so that they had to, they're supposed to follow it to the T, right? One of those um, you know, requirements was that the animal had to be spotless. It should be your best one. And that's what you should give to the Lord. What Israel was doing was giving lame, sick, and unclean animals in their sacrifices. This is mostly done by the priest. So they were giving God pathetic sacrifices that completely went against the commands that they were supposed to do. Their heart was far from the Lord, and this showed it, right? They were given these um, sacrifices that were not, not appropriate. And it, it, I know sacrificing and Old Testament law things gets a bit confusing, and a lot of us, you know, that, that just seems very foreign, right? We don't sacrifice things ever in America in 21st century, right? It's, it's a different time. It's a different point in redemptive history. But to paint the picture on the severity of what they were doing, Aaron's sons back in Leviticus, God sent fireballs from heaven and consumed them because they gave an unclean sacrifice. So if that paints a picture for you on the severity of what Israel was doing here, that's what God did at one point earlier on for basically the same sin, giving an undefiled, unclean sacrifice to the Lord. He consumed the two sons. This is a really big deal for what they're doing. This is a really big deal in the sin that they are in. And so God sent Malachi for them to repent and believe. So without all that being said, let's read our text and go from there. So we're in Malachi chapter 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 6. I'll let you turn there. So chapter 3, verse 6. All right, starting verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change, therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Okay, so again. Israel is dead in their sin, right? They're stuck in their sin. They don't understand that they are lost. And right here, Malachi, and through God speaking, is calling them to repentance. 
He's saying repent, right? Look with me back here at, the, at verse 7. Return to me and I will return to you. So return, come back. Return to me, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? When you look at the Hebrew here, it, it implies and, and speaks to, to kind of help clarify what's being said. First, the repent, the return, return to me, return to God, is essentially saying repent, turn. If, you, if you're the military, you know an about face, you a turn from facing you to a 180 degree. I'm not going to do it. I thought about doing it. I'm, I'll probably mess it up and trip over because these, these things, you know, I don't have my combat boots on. So anyway, um, those are a little easier to maneuver. But anyway. About face, right? So facing this way to turn the other way. So that's what God is calling them to, to return to me. Turn from your sin, come back to me. But look how Israel responds. How have we robbed you? They literally, again, the language here helps to understand. How have we robbed you? God, we've been giving you stuff. We've been giving you some tithes. We've been giving the sacrifices. How have we robbed you? Like, we're fine. How have we robbed you, God? And his response, in your tithes and offerings. And we'll talk about that momentarily. But how many of you have ever gone out in the woods and gotten lost? Okay, there we go. A couple. Good, good. I think I'm probably not somewhere too. Um, so there was a time, right? So getting lost in the woods is not good. When you wander off in the woods to go explore, if you don't pay attention to where you're going, you, you know, eventually you're going to get to the point where you're like, all I see is trees, and I have no earthly idea where I'm at or how to get back, right? Which none of us want to be there. You know, we've seen all these crazy movies where people don't come back or the bears or whatever. But so back in like eighth grade, me and my best friend growing up, Troy, we decided to go out into the wilderness that is behind my parents' house. Uh, I say wilderness, it's, you know, pretty big. But uh, anyway, we went out there, and I was going to show him this cool area that wasn't really that far into the woods. But instead of taking him straight there, I just kind of like maneuvered around a little ways and went over the river and through the woods, and then we, we arrived there, looked at it, showed him the area, and then was like, all right, Troy, how do we get back? I knew how to get back, but I just want to see if he was paying attention. I'm like, Troy, how do we get back? Kind of looked around, was like, I think we go that way. And I was like, you sure? Like, yeah, yeah, I think it's that way. Like, okay. Lead the way, brother. So we, he leads the way, and we start walking, but, uh, it was actually that way. I mean, it was literally the opposite direction of the way that he pointed. So I let him go. You know, we walked that way for a ways, and then he kind of stopped and looked around again. I was like, ah, I don't think I know. I think I'm going the wrong way. And I'm like, yeah, Troy, you are. It's the other way. Um, so anyway, right, he didn't know he was lost. He thought, he's like, ah, I think I know where I'm at. not really sure. And he kept going in that direction. was pretty confident, but he had no earthly idea that he was actually just going further and further into the woods and further and further away from my parents' house, right? Not good. So some of you are probably wondering with this. is like, well, he probably could have accidentally guessed to go that way, you know, go the proper direction, which is true. That, that could have happened. However, it didn't. And um, in our sin, that's probably not going to be the case. We're probably not accidentally going to pick the, the holy, proper way that the Lord has called us to go to on accident. What we're going to end up doing is we're going to head further and further into sin when we get lost, when we lose our way, right? When we lose our way, we're going to, continue just to go further and further into sin. Further and further the wrong direction, we're not accidentally gonna stumble into the right one, most likely, right, on our own accord. People come in and tell us, hey brother, we need to go that way, the other way, right? So, that being said, this is, this is Israel's position, right? How have we robbed you, God? We don't understand. 
God was like, in your tithes and offerings. You've been giving me these pathetic sacrifices because you want the riches. You want to keep those things for yourself. You're giving me these crappy sacrifices that don't meet my standards, and you're only giving a partial offering, right? So, yep, so let's continue. I, I think I jumped ahead. We'll finish reading it. So, verse 9. Let's read verse 9 again. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. So, everybody, the whole nation's messing this up. Verse 10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. So bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Stop bringing the partial, bring the full. Bring what you know you're supposed to give into the, tithe, into the storehouse, right? Bring it all. Show your heart. So do you think God needed these provisions, right? He said, bring it in the storehouse so there'll be food in my house. You think God was just hangry at this point? Like, brother, bring some food, like, I'm ready to eat. No, right, that doesn't happen. So he didn't need the stuff, right? So this is a glorious and holy God that deserves our worship and full affection. Our worship and full affection. God deserves. God is addressing Israel's lack of worship and devotion to him. You see, the state of their hearts, their, their giving, their sacrifices, all of their financial decisions in that regard, displayed the bankruptcy of their spiritual worship. The place, the, their place before God, their relationship to him, the way that they gave, the way that they went about the sacrifices and all these different things, that was an external manifestation of what was happening in their heart, which is they were far from the Lord. Okay, so that's where this is coming from, right? They were not being faithful in their tithes and offerings, and that showed their faithfulness to God in other areas of life was also then manifesting itself here at this point with their financial decisions, with being before the Lord. So, I got really excited, and I'm trying to make sure, okay. Some of you are probably wondering, right, that, like, Dylan, tithes and offerings, like, Earth, earth to me, right? We're in the New Testament. Like, this is a different point in time, right? This is the law. This is Israel, and I understand that. That is, that is true. So the short answer, right? Our ties from the Old Testament sense, did they directly transfer to the New? Short answer is no. There's not a direct one-to-one continuation of ties and offerings in that regard. But what we do see, and what is implied in the New Testament, is that. New Testament believers give generously in different areas at different points. We're not going to talk about all of them. But, but that is an implied thing with all the authors in the New Testament. And so with this, right, the faithfulness in giving and stewarding the things of the Lord has given us a direct representation of the inward reality of our heart. Okay, I want to read that one more time. The faithfulness in giving and stewarding the things the Lord has given us is a direct representation of the inward reality of our heart. Just as we saw with Israel, what they were doing when stewarding the things the Lord has given them, right, that directly showed as an external show of what was happening here at the heart level. Same thing in faithfulness. We can also show on the positive side, right, that we can show in stewarding what God has given us that we are showing what is happening in our heart, that our faithfulness in giving matters to the Lord. And so, right, if we look at bank statements, 
houses, cars, investment accounts, all these different things, right? We take a look at those for all of us, right? It's going to speak loudly of what we believe. All those things are theological positions. You are making a theological position with the way you handle your finances. So the things you choose to buy, the, the, how much you choose to give or not give or spend, it matters to God how we steward what he's given us. And we are called to be faithful and obedient in stewarding the things the Lord has given us. Our faithfulness with our stewardship, with our giving, it matters. And so I want to make clear that I know that the text that we just read in Malachi and we're talking about is very harsh and very like, you know, they're all in sin, like whatever, like that. Like the point there that I'm, that's in the text, right, is the heart, well, the way that we give and steward shows what's in our heart. Whether that's we're being faithful and we're doing what the Lord has called us to do, we're being faithful and obedient, that shows what's happening in our heart. Just as here on the opposite side, it also shows if we're not. Right, so we have both. We have both ends. So, there's, I would say, there's four groups of people here in the room. The first is the faithful. So there's the group, the faithful. There's many of you in here that that give faithfully, that seek to seek the Lord's face and how to manage your finances, how to how to give, how to do all of those different things in that category. You've been faithful. You've been obedient. You've been seeking the Lord. And praise God for that. I just want to encourage you to continue to do that. Continue to seek his face in all that you do. The second group is the unaware. Okay, so the, the unaware. Those of you, maybe you've never heard something about this. Maybe you've never read about stewarding, tithing, giving. Maybe you don't know the implications it has, uh, what it shows in our heart, different things like that, right? Maybe you've never heard that. Um, so uh, at this point, I want to encourage you to continue to study it. There's a lot more things that we could cover. We only have 30-ish minutes, so there's only so much I can cover in this one go, right? So I just want to encourage you to, to seek that, to seek how to honor God and be faithful and obedient to him in, in your finances, in your giving, in your stewardship, and honoring him with what he's given you. The third group would be the hurting. Well, I'll call the hurting. So if you're in this group, I mean, it could be a number of things. Maybe you've had some medical, medical bills and things come up that you're, you're dealing with and trying to get caught up on. Maybe you're in job transition. Maybe you've lost a job. There's a lot of different things uh, that, that happens in life that's difficult. Um, so maybe you're in that position and you're working through that. You're praying. You're trying to, trying to get back ahead or something like that. And that's okay. Like, I, I hope and pray that the church, through in missional communities and different things, that we're going to rally around you and help you if you're in, in need, if you need help in that kind of regard. And so this is the time of life that you're in. And so I hope that we are doing that as a church and that we will get better at doing that. The fourth group and the last group are the faithless. The faithless. This group, you know better. This group, you, you, you know what the word says on all of this. You've studied it, you know what it says. And for one reason or another, you've decided not to, not to give, not to steward your money well. It's about you. Probably love money. Maybe you're idolizing money. Maybe you're idolizing what money can offer. Maybe you're being greedy. There's a whole list of various things in this group, if that applies to you, is the faithless. And some of you, the scary part about this is there can be people in this group, the faithless group, that actually give. We saw in, in the end with Israel, right, that they, they were still giving. 
They were still putting up sacrifices to the Lord, but they were defiled, unclean, and pathetic, which showed their heart. So that some of you in here might be like, well, I, you know, I give, I, you know, whatever. And that's between you and the Lord, but you can be in this category and still give because you can be giving your pathetic, worthless scraps to the Lord and keep everything else for yourself. It's a scary place to be that all of us could find ourselves in. So, but that's the reality, right? Our heart, our worship, our devotion to the Lord matters to him. And it, our, the way that we steward our finances, the way that we give, the way that we don't give, all of that shows what's happening in our heart. Just as it showed in Israel, it shows for us today and how we manage those things and the decisions that we make with them. It matters to the Lord. It affects our worship. It affects our devotion. It affects our love for him. Because if we're doing all these other things and not managing it well, then we're probably not loving the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Or loving our neighbor as herself. All right. Last thing on the tithing part, and then we're going to get into some principles of giving that will hopefully help us kind of make some of these decisions, and we'll look at the New Testament with that. But before we get there, I just want to address one thing with tithe. So one thing, like, yes, the tithing system doesn't directly apply now, but so a lot of times you may have heard growing up that, hey, just give 10% to the church. Like, that's kind of a general rule of thumb that that can be helpful as a starting place. But, but what I want, kind of want to address is something to look for is, let's say you do give 10%, then guarding your heart from thinking, okay, I gave 10%, I gave this to you, Lord, now the other 90 is mine. It, it's all God's, 100%. Everything that we have, our jobs, our, our bank accounts, our investment accounts, our cars, our houses, our kids, spouse, Everything that we have, the air that we breathe, belongs to the Lord. So yes, we can be faithful in giving, we can all of that, but, but just because we give and we're being faithful there, the rest of it is still God's too. And that we need to seek to be faithful and obedient in how we steward those things as well. Because it all belongs to the Lord. I think this is going to be on the screen, so you don't have to turn there. But Job chapter 1, verse 20 and 22, we'll get there in a sec. But So Job, if you've never read the book, right, he's upstanding uh, person before the Lord. He had great wealth. The Lord had blessed him greatly. Um, he had a lot of uh, children. He had a lot of livestock and different things. And Satan came up to God in the first chapter of Job and was uh, basically claiming that, hey, if you take all these things from Job, then he's going to curse you to your face. So... God was like, yeah, no, he won't. Try it. So God gave Satan permission to do that. And all of his kids, the house came down, and they were killed. And his herd was pretty well wiped out. So he lost a whole lot all at once. And this is his response. Verse 20, Job 1, 20, I think it's above me. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from the mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So see, Job didn't know all the behind-the-scenes things that were happening that we get to see in Scripture. He didn't know all that. But his response was one of worship, and is one of recognizing that the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. He understood, like, everything that I have, 
Everything that I don't have, if it gets taken away, belongs to God. And I know this is a difficult text. I know there's a lot of other things happening we don't have time to address. But the principle is the same, right? It all belongs to the Lord. And we need to seek to be faithful and obedient in how we steward, how we make decisions, and recognizing that, yes, we work hard, all that kind of stuff, but it's still it's a gift from the Lord. He is the giver and taker of all things. You see, Job loved his God, and he recognized that the Lord is free to give us all things and take, and take away as well. Yep. We need to be faithful and obedient. Notice also, on the last thing on this, naked I came, naked shall I return. Who's ever seen a U-Haul behind a hearse? You don't see that. Because you don't take anything with you. I, I know, like, that can be touchy death, hearse, and things, but it's true, right? Like, we may have great wealth, we may have great things, we may have nothing. Whatever the case is, when it's our time to go meet with the Lord, it's all staying here. It's not going with you. We're all going to show up at the judgment seat and be like, hey, nice watch. Oh, wait, you don't have the watch. It's on earth. You know what I mean? Like, we're all going to be just naked and exposed, and our hearts are going to be, hearts is what's going to be examined, right? Nothing else. All right. Last thing, we're going to start to wrap up. Five principles for giving. So five principles for thinking about how, like, how do we give, what, where do we start, what do we do, what are some principles that we can look at, and then we'll, we'll finish. So if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. So as we all turn there, we are going to look at 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 1 and 2, primarily as our rubric, and then you can just write this down. I'll reference it as we go. But 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, if you want to write that down, that is kind of where we're pulling from. I'm pulling from there as well to kind of tie this together. Um, but we're probably going to look at 1 Corinthians 16. This is Paul is writing his letter to the Corinthian church, and he's wrapping up the letter um, in this chapter. Oh, is everybody there? 1 Corinthians 16, starting in verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. All right, so we're just going to kind of break this down into five, basically five points. The first one, periodic. So, oh, by the way, I usually avoid alliteration like the plague, but... We're about, I'm about to alliterate, so it is what it is. I couldn't I couldn't break up the alliteration for you know for the sake of not doing it. So maybe you'll remember it. Periodic is the first one. They're all going to be with P's. Surprise. Um, periodic is the first one. So notice in verse two, on the first day of every week. Okay, so he's talking about the collection for the saints, talking about the giving to the church for the needs of different things that are happening uh, with Paul's missionary endeavors. So here, first day of every week. So. You know, what do we take from this, right? So it's not necessarily dogmatically on the first day of every week you must give, right? It's the idea, the principle behind it is just it's regular or, to alliterate, periodic, right? It's a periodic, regular uh, occurrence, something that we do regularly. Because, um, you know, a lot of us get paid at different times. We have different, you know, sometimes it's monthly, bi-monthly, weekly, what, you know, whatever. There's all kinds of different ideas. So, the, but the idea here on the first day of every week, it's periodic. It's regular. It's a reoccurring thing. 
The second point is personal. So notice it says each of you. So it says on the first day of every week, each of you, referring to each of you within the church at Corinth, right? Each of you is personal. So see, giving is a is, is a personal response to all that God is. Like that, that is, we're recognizing who God is as God, as him being all glorious, all knowing, great, powerful, all these different things, right? And that is our response. We, that is part of our response as believers is to give back, whether it's giving to the church, whether it's helping uh, a brother in need, whatever the case may be, uh, the, the giving heart, each of you. Paul also says in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2, which I think will be on the screen, says this, we want, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So notice that. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given. And their response then was to help those in need, was to give, was to respond in that way. We respond in that way because of all that Christ has done for us that he came, that he died on the cross for our sin and rose again in victory and seated at the right hand of the Father. Now we place our faith in him and seek to glorify him in all that we do, be faithful and obedient. Giving is a personal response, each of you. The third one, third point, planned. Okay, so periodic, personal, planned. It says this, we'll keep moving through verse 2. Each of you, so it's, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. Each of you is to put something aside. So you're taking something, you're looking at it, you're planning, you're taking it, you're putting it aside, and you're giving it, right? So another word I like, kind of like better than plan is deliberate. Okay, you can kind of use it interchangeably, but deliberate, right? Is a deliberate, we're going to sit down. So I want, I want to encourage you, if you're married, to, to go home this week, to pray, to get with your spouse, uh, look at your budget, look at your finances, and whatever you choose to do, like be on the same page. Be deliberate, plan, look ahead. Because notice that Paul isn't here trying to just throw some you know, sob story or some guilt trip or a building campaign or insert whatever so that they give. Right? That's not what he's doing here. He's giving them principles and saying, hey, like we got this thing going on, um, and this is what you're supposed to do. Right? So, it's, it's not a guilt trip. It is a, we're planning, we're, we're looking at what the Lord has given us, and we're being deliberate in how we go about giving, how much we give, the making, making those decisions. So I'll, hopefully all these principles are being helpful to pull together to think about um, in that regard. So must be deliberate and intentional. Each of you is to put something aside and store it up. All right, four, proportionate. Proportionate. So we're going to continue on. Each of you has put something aside and stored up as he may prosper. So as he may prosper, the, another way to kind of help clarify this, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8.3 that we are supposed to give according to our means. So according to our means, individually. So, so with this example, right? So some of us have been given a lot. Some of us have been giving a little. And that's just how the word works. You know, the parable of the talents kind of help give an idea of some of this too but we're called to be faithful and obedient with what he has given us it's not about how much it's not about a lot a little whatever the lord has given us we are to seek to be faithful and obedient to him and stewarding those things so 
with this, with proportionate, right? You, you may look at, if you take one person who gives, let's say they give $1,000 at the end of the year. You take somebody else who gives 200, uh, actually we'll do like 10,000 to make this more clear. 10,000, so 10,200, okay? You look at that face value, most of us in here are probably gonna look at it and be like, wow, the, the guy that gave the 10 grand is like, he's being faithful, right? Maybe he is, but it's not as simple as just looking at amounts. Like, it is proportionate, but it's not a matter of looking at that. God is going to look at the heart behind the giver, not the dollar amount. It's the heart behind the giver. So yes, that person who gave the 10 grand may, may very well be giving a whole bunch, and their heart shows that in that. And him and the Lord person, we're going to know that. But that's not necessarily the case. We can't just make that claim at face value that just because it's more, that it's automatic. Because for that person, they may be giving that amount, but in reality, they may have so much money that they give that and they don't even see it or think about it or even know that it's gone, which is kind of hard for some of us to fathom because that's a lot of money. But you know what I mean? Like there are people out there like that. So proportionate, according to your means, as he may prosper. We've been given different amounts and that's okay, but we're called to be faithful and obedient with what he's given us. So with that being said, college students, look at me. I know y'all are in college, you're in school, you're probably not working much, right? And that's okay. I'm, in, I'm still, I'm in seminary, so like, it's kind of, I feel you. But, like, you may only be able to give five bucks. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, again, proportionate. There is nothing wrong with that. It's not about the dollar amount. It's about the heart behind the giver. It's about your heart. What is happening inside and between you and the Lord are going to identify that. He's going to know and all that kind of stuff. But even if it's just five bucks, 15 bucks, whatever the case may be, it matters. It's, it's the heart. It's a heart issue. It's not a dollar amount issue. I just, I know because I, I got it. Like I went through school, like probably not a whole lot to go around, right? And that's okay because of the time of life you're in and everything. But but again, it's the heart that comes behind it. And eventually, hopefully, you know, you're going to graduate, get a job, and they make a whole lot more than you ever thought you would make because all of a sudden you went from making a few dollars a week to a full salary, right? So we're like, wow, this is a whole lot of money. Um, but, but then are you setting yourself up for success later, to be faithful and obedient later? Like are you building, starting good habits now and then building towards that later? Or are you going to get there, realize you have all that, and then be distracted and fall into it, which is an easy temptation. So again, it's about the heart, not the dollar amount. So last thing, we're starting to wrap up. The fifth one, fifth point is plentiful. So, so we'll finish. So that there will be no collecting when I come. So that there will be no collecting when I come. So they followed the periodic, the plan, the personal, and proportionate, and then in the end, it was plentiful. That the, when there was a need, when a need did come, around, did come up, uh, it needed to be sent out. It was, they were ready. The church was ready. It was plentiful, and the needs were taken care of. The Lord had blessed in that way, and it was plentiful. The needs were met that were there. So as we start to land the plane, right, our faithfulness in giving and stewarding the things God has given us matters to him. They put on display to the world our hearts and our affections, and we can give generously. When we give generously, it's an outward expression of our love for God. Whether that's helping a brother in need, whether that's to the church, or that's to some nonprofit, whatever the case may be, whatever you're doing, it, it is a tangible outward expression of our love for the Lord. That we are giving back to the, giving back to Him, giving to help a brother in need, whatever the case may be. 
that the Lord has given us and we are giving and helping in that way and that we are showing that by that, by our outward expression. So as we move into time of communion, right, that we, we as baptized believers are going to take some time to come, to come over to the table, to the Lord's table, to, to break the bread that represents Christ's flesh, to dip it in the juice that represents Christ's blood. And we're taking it in remembrance of Christ, right, that he came, he died on the cross for our sins, paid the price that we couldn't pay, died the death that we deserve, and then rose again on the third day in glory. That's the time to respond. It's the time to respond in worship there and singing the praises to the Lord. And for some of you, it may be giving. I'm not going to, that's between you and, you and the Lord. That's between, again, planned, deliberate comes into play, right? It's taking that time to talk with the Lord. Some of you it is, some of you it's not. Whatever the case may be, let us go in prayer and worship the Lord in all that we do. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Father, thank you for this time that we were able to come together to worship you, to study these, these, uh, this text, to study this topic. And Father, I just pray that as we leave here today, that, that we're going to seek to be faithful and obedient to you in all that we do, and that includes our finances, our stewardship, the decisions that we make in spending and in giving and, and, and all, all of that realm. I just pray that you will give us clarity, that you will help us continue to seek um, guidance on these things, because this, this was short. There's a lot of other topics and areas within this. But Father, I just pray that our hearts, that our response will reveal our hearts. And I hope and pray that our hearts will come to you. If, if we've been far off, I pray that we will return, that we will turn back, and that we will come to you in repentance. I pray that if we, if we have been faithful in all of this, that we will continue to be faithful in all of this. And we'll continue to seek your face. Continue to be faithful and obedient to you in all the, th all the many things that you have given us and blessed us with. We love you, praise you, and thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.